entrepreneurship in general. I think that the product is just the mousetrap and you choose your mousetrap and that'll produce the most of what it is you look for. But I think the fundamentals are universal across any industry. Mike check. I'm good. Mike check. Mike check. You can read about success all day long, but if you don't put in the work, the mindset, execution, and the hustle behind your vision, it just remains a dream. When everything goes wrong, you have to take all the responsibility. We uncover what high-level entrepreneurs, business owners do to rise up from hustling daily. So do what you feel passionate about. Take chances. The world becomes your library to help you become better at your craft. Join me as I share with you actionable tips to help you grow your business, learn skills, and help you level up in your self-development journey. Your number one spot for business and personal growth is the Online Hustlers Podcast with your host, Esteban Andrade. Every day I'm hustling. Hey, what's going on, everyone that is listening to this podcast, the uh, Real Estate Online Hustlers Podcast, or just Online Hustlers as a whole. In this season, season two, we're bringing different type of players, all right? So we brought tech companies, we brought in real estate entrepreneurs, we bought, we brought in wholesalers, um, and we're bringing people from different places that will teach you things or different industries that will teach you things that you can apply in your business right away. So uh, it only takes about 60 seconds for you to give us a review. So just go into our Apple podcast, give us five stars, tell us why you liked it, and if you liked any of the episodes um, today I have uh, a guest here that I, I actually had him earlier on on the first season. And I really liked that episode because actually we covered different things that usually businesses do not do. Non-traditional ways of running business that has worked so well to, to have at that point, I believe he had about 100 people only. And uh, at this point now he had doubled the size. He has a better office. And uh, you guys can go back to the episode. Actually, um, it was a online episode. But today I have him in person. And I really like to have conversations with this guy because he has a lot of experience in different industries that are applicable right away with this industry that you have. Whether that's real estate, whether you're doing solar, whether you're doing HVAC sales, whatever, uh, roofing companies. Anything is applicable from Scott Morris. And I have Scott Morris here, bro. Thank you so much for coming, flying to Miami, just to see me. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. No, I wanted to check out this uh, podcast studio. I'm super proud of you, man. Thanks, uh, man. I know, like that first one that we did, obviously, you didn't have the setup in it. It's really a good reflection of your growth and also your following, too. And I love what you said just a second ago about it being applicable to any industry. And I, I think that's really what being an entrepreneur is. It's The process is almost stronger than the product. And so what we'll hopefully be able to cover today is just something that's universal, whether it be sales and culture and entrepreneurship in general. I think that the, the product is just the mousetrap and you choose your mousetrap and that'll produce the most of what it is you look for. But I think the, the fundamentals are universal across any industry. Yeah, man. And I, and I love that you, you're a lot, you love the process itself. I, I see it in, in your videos. I see it when you meet, I meet you in the, in the office. I've been to your office like a couple of times now. And you absolutely love the process. You absolutely love being there in the office when so many of these entrepreneurs don't even want to be there. They just want to live that four-hour work week. And I talked about this earlier with you today that 
they read the book and they just think that oh, I'm just gonna exit as fast as possible and leave these guys hanging, leave the team hanging because they they it's automated, right? Yeah, it's, it's automated, it's systemized, and I'm ready to go to the beach whenever whenever I can, whenever I want, or anytime, right? And um, so there's a big difference in how you're currently running the business and the, the amount of success that that had that you've had compared to like all these other guys that don't can't even last for like two years and they already want to switch niches or they want to get into coaching. So I want to dive into that, right? Um, bro, um, first of all, again, thank you for being here. Let's talk about your past experience of running a business here in the United States. Yeah. Uh, and how you then applied the same thing in another country that has fairly different culture. Um, it has a different language. Uh, obviously, they're adaptable, but let's talk about that. Like how you build a company um, and what's essential for you to grow here in the United States when you used to have it in the United States uh, versus today. So let's start there. Yeah. So as a frame of reference, as you know, I'm currently in Colombia, South America. We have about 200 employees there and in and, and scale mode. I have 25 new employees in a class right now. In another three weeks, we'll have another 20, 25 new employees but the fundamentals that I brought offshore, the same one that that started here stateside, um, you know, you mentioned the four hour work week, and I hate to start your podcast with something controversial, but I think that that book has likely done more damage than good in the entrepreneurial space. Um, I've read it, I consumed it as a youth, and uh, I disagreed with a lot of it. And I think one of the things for me too, just from a culture standpoint, was that, you know, I consider what I do, and the reason why I'm so excited about it, I consider it to be like riding a jet ski. Like, I genuinely enjoy what we do. And, you know, you come into my office now with foosball table, two ping pong tables, a four-foot Jenga set. We have every toy that you could possibly imagine. We have our arcade room, beanbag chairs everywhere, just the nicest of the nice. And it's, it's like our work environment is such that we want to be there. I would feel shorted of the joys of my life if I only was working four hours per se. And, and you know, I know that's kind of a metaphor, the four hours anyways, but um, the ability to lead and inspire a group of individuals has been what's been my passion for a very, very long time. And what I learned onshore here domestically in the United States is that same thing that's universal is that people just want to feel appreciated, man. They want to have the opportunity to grow within a company. They want to see the CEO busting their ass. Like there's nothing more, uh, you know, demotivating than when your CEO treats the people differently based on their pay scale, or they yeah. treat the cleaning lady differently, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, I've just always been a fan of giving these kids an opportunity and teaching them the basics of life. No, very few CEOs teach people how to set goals because they're afraid that if they inspire that person too much, they'll leave them. One of the hallmarks of, I think, a successful person is, is that you pour into them. And when the time is right, they deserve to move on in their life. And if you're not afraid and you're not trying to capture an indentured servitude people, then you're going to get people to stick around longer than they would. So, yeah, man. So you, you, you covered different things there, but for example, when you were here growing the company in the U S based, uh, wasn't Fort Lauderdale, right? Or originally it was outside of Chicago or right. that last big company that I had, um, started, we started, you know, a, it started in my bedroom at first and it was just me literally had to sell up all my furniture moved out started there and then it slowly grew into a small six person room and then before you knew it then we moved it back down to fort lauderdale yeah. and then it was a monster facility as well 
Um, but yeah, it started there. So, so you, you started, uh, having your bedroom like separated in different like what cubicles or like call no literally know? it was just a one-man show it was just me in the beginning doing everything kind of learning it yeah. all and uh, it's so funny too because it's one of my hallmark stories i had a really really nice bed that i had to get rid of in there and uh it was made of indian horse hair like i was making good money for another guy i would worked with him for 10 years but the bed was made with indian horse hair and i had saw something about mongolian horse hair excuse me I saw something as a youth as Oprah and Oprah had this bed and I was like, I'm going to make it. And it was like, for me, it was a status symbol. <laughs> and I remember, cause it was so soft. Ooh. I mean, it was the best. It was literally, it was, it was, it was worth the almost, you know, $16,000 I paid at that time, which was a lot of money for it. And uh, anyways, but I remember getting rid of it that day and be like, okay, this is a watershed moment that I have to now turn this bedroom into an office. So I'm going to get rid of this and start it. But yeah, it started out of a bedroom and then I kind of partnered with some people and we ended up growing our facility to ultimately a very high multi-million dollar annual revenue company. Yeah. So uh, how old were you around that time? Uh, so that would have been about uh, early, very early 30s, maybe 31. Okay. All right. So you, you, you've done, you've gone through a, a let's say a good amount of experience. I'm 30, right? You're 30, yeah. you, you started a company when you were like 30, 31. Um, did you learn to freaking grow culture, grow a team before that? Like, yeah, it was, what was that all about? Because I'm pretty sure you took all these lessons learned and benchmarks that other companies had, and I started applying it here in the US uh, with the company until it grew to a monster. But so what were those first things that you knew that that you needed to apply in order to grow with Don Monster, but also let's define what a monster is. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. I think the biggest lesson I learned is when I worked with a guy, I've worked for a guy for like 10 years, fantastic guy. I thought he was, I mean, he was my mentor. He was a very pivotal part of my life, but I just remember thinking, how did he screw up to lose a guy like me? Because I helped him scale and grow his company as, as any good. And I ended up, I started out as a, like a sales fronter and then a closer and then something that's called uh, underwriting and then the director and then the chief operating officer of his company. But I was with this company for so long, but at a certain point I had to leave. I just remember thinking, because when I left, only when I left did he want to offer me equity in the company. Only when I left did all of a sudden all yeah. these watershed moments happen in his life. And I just said, man, how did a guy like him lose a guy like me? Because I'm a cash cow. Um, and so I just kind of put all that as a frame of reference and I knew what I would have done differently in his company. And so I had ran a sales floor, I'd run a sales track, pretty much the chief operating officer. I was in charge of everything for that company. And I took those fundamentals that I learned there and said, okay, now I'm going to start small. We don't have a lot of capital. It's just going to be a couple of guys, but I took all those things that I learned under his watch with being what I felt to be a, a strong leader, leading by example leader, which is the key component almost to it all. If you synthesize it down. Um, and then just kept on applying it as we grew. Yeah. Okay. So what are the few things? So he ended up giving you the option for, you know, a better pay, better opportunity after you left, which a lot of people don't see that they have to proactively see that opportunity in their people. Cause like, if, when you think about it, a lot of business owners, and I read this in your, in the book that you recommended me, the millionaire course. They, if they see a potential person that is like entrepreneurial, yeah. has the spirit, has everything that it takes to help you build a, a full department, let's say, or like part of your business, a, a sub, a, like another product line or a service within your main product, you have to take advantage of it. Like yeah. Google does it. Like Google, for instance, 
um, it was an idea by employees of Google of creating Google Maps. And the Google was like, let's freaking do it. You're going to be, you're going to have part of this, right? Like we're going to put all together. Same thing for the self-driving cars. Um, it was an employee's idea. Let's freaking do it. And like, they ended up like giving part of uh, ownership of, of this because this uh, Google employees started it. So the, you are consistently helping your current team members seeing themselves as a big opportunity because people have big goals too. Yeah. Then don't then don't necessarily have they don't necessarily are going to be business owners or going to be ever be a business owner or a good business owner because it's hard. It but you can give them the opportunity to have their own entrepreneurial um, opportunity in within your company to create something bigger that they ever would create by themselves. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. Um, it's making them feel like they're they making an impact and it's appreciated and viewed. But also too, there's a power in freedom. I think that uh, if I'm an employee and I'm grinding my face off and I know that I'm capable of something and I know that my boss is fearful and or doesn't want to show me everything about the company because he fears I might go and start one, then that plants a seed of distrust in which I'm going to want to go water it just to find out if I'm right or not. Versus in ours, I, the reason why I, I fear no competition and I fear, bluntly speaking, no employees because I'm so confident that I'm so far ahead of the race that if you look at my model, you say, I, I want to learn from him, but I'll never be able to catch that guy. So let's not even try. I'm not even going to try. What I want to do, though, is come in here and I want to want to absorb. I want him to be my mentor. I know that he's willing to pour into me. I know that he will hold me accountable. And if you could stay in the longer you could stay in boot camp, the stronger that you're going to be. Mm -hmm. So if you're with my company, you're in a version of life boot camp. We're teaching you all the fundamentals, not only just to being a good salesperson or a good marketing agent, whatever position you're within my company, we're, we're teaching you how to be a better person at the same time. And that you that I, I said this the other day, you get two paychecks with my company. You get the financial one and then you get the intangible one. It's where you're, hey, listen, you're becoming a better human being, the camaraderie that only exists in this office, the the relationships that only exist here. That intangible paycheck is worth more than the financial paycheck. That's the one that will exist after you pay your rent this month. And a lot of companies don't have two paychecks. I love that. So is that part of the onboarding process? Be like, hey, here, you, you just got here inside this company. But understand, you're going to have two paychecks. Or how does that work? Like when you onboard someone? Yeah, so I think a lot of it, one of the advantages I have by going the traditional route and having a physical business, because we do have a large office, is that energy you can feel so they come in and it, that second paycheck almost smacks them across the face they walk in and it's like oh there's a buzz it's, how long has it been since i've been in an office with the buzz it's not it's not a traditional office where it's quiet i mean there's music there's screaming there's hooting and hollering and so a lot of times they immediately sense but they can't tell what it is yeah it's almost like smelling something and be like what what is that that's cooking and it's like oh this is a really delicious dessert or whatever it may be so for us and then we just let them know like hey listen we're going to hold you more accountable here than any company that you've ever been in. However, you're also going to be rewarded with more opportunity than any company that you've ever been in. And it's given him that and that cross accountability. I think what the youth desires for today more than anything, I think particularly in the States, I learned this as well, too, is that they really haven't been checked in a while. And I don't mean checked like negatively checked, like, oh, you're doing a shit. No, it's like, hey, listen. We want to see you succeed and we're going to hold your feet to it and steel sharpen steel. And this has got to be an environment where you can hold the CEO accountable 
for anything that I say and do. Like the other day, I, I, I was only 20 some seconds late to the meeting. I had, a, I had to put air in a tire or something. doesn't matter. But I failed the team. I literally opened my meeting with an apology. I have failed you guys, et cetera, et cetera, because I hold them accountable to be on time. And they hadn't even started the first scream of the meeting. But according to the calendar, according to my watch, I knew that I was late. I hustled in real quick. and uh, But they know that I hold myself accountable as much as I intend to hold them accountable. And people over time really love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It creates better versions of themselves. Yeah, it's a huge... No, it's, it also is like... Okay, it, it respects because whatever you say that you're gonna do or you you make other people do, obviously, um, I mean you're doing it like you're that's that's the whole point. Like you have to be able to lead that way. But let's let's dive in into. So you you mentioned that here people in the U.S. they don't get checks. Is that do you think that maybe why people don't want to work? People people are always complaining here in this country about their job and like they really want to like they, they come up with all this sensitive bullshit and they come up with like oh everything hurts i'm offended yes. by everything it's because it's because of all of that or like what do yeah, you think no i 100 the participation trophy uh lifestyle um that people of our generation yours probably primary even more so i think um were raised in i could take any 10 kids in my office with their work ethic because they grew up in a society and they didn't have this opportunity. And guess what? There's not another opportunity like mine in town. And I could plan them here in the States. They run circles around these average 10 kids here. And it's the whole thing. We all know it. It's the immigrant story. You know, when somebody's mom comes here, those kids are animals, right? And those, those people are rock stars. And so there's a lot of value to it. And that we've all heard the saying, you know, good times make soft men, soft men make hard times, hard times. I mean, it just, it, it continues the cycle where right now, I think it's probably never been easier. And I say this bluntly, it's never been easier to make money in the United States if you have a work ethic. Because there's so many people out there that are cutting corners to the point where they just go in circles and they never actually ever grow. And there's a lot of vanity issues here in the States right now, more so than obviously Latin America, because you guys have so much here. Yeah, uh, dude, I feel like if you ever meet uh, Patrick, but David, you guys would you know be best buddies because I, I have a feeling that like you act as if you were also coming from immigrant parents yeah. or like some sort of immigrant family. You have that hunger. You have like. Um, that hope of like achieving this huge thing and it just runs through your, through your blood. You know what I mean? Like the way that you, the way that you are, um, an immigrant wants to freaking get it. Like they, they come here in this country and like the first thing, the first, the first and only options that they would ever see first is like hard labor, um, construction, cleaning jobs, or like something under, under the door, like some sort of yeah. job under the door. So they have, they have it hard. And they have that desire. Yeah, I, I give a lot of credit to my parents uh, and a lot of appreciation for how I grew up. My parents got pregnant at 16, got married at 17, met in a trailer park. It's legit. Like, I, I, my, my, neither one of my parents finished school. My brother didn't finish school. I finished high school, no college education. And not that, you know, I've seen poverty. My poverty was luxury compared to what I've seen now being able to travel the world. But that mindset, that mentality, I just know what it's like to have to steal quarters out of a, a jar from my dad's desk to be able to just eat. And I also know what it was like X amount of years later when I paid 
for a house for them, bought a house for them for Christmas. I've seen their tears. I know. I remember the day that I knew I'd never be poor again. Like I remember driving in the car when that thought happened. And not that never be poor again, because you can never be poor. Once you've gone through the process, like once you know like how to manifest money and make money and, and do it, you, you, you'll never go broke again. But yeah, I remember. And so that hunger, it's insatiable. I don't know how to cut it off. I don't want to cut it off because I enjoy what I do. And more importantly, I enjoy instilling that seed of desire into all these young men and women that I have the opportunity to work with. Let's talk about that. All right. So it's part of culture, honestly. Yeah. It's, part, it's part of how you shape your culture because, all right, so there's many ways that you can run your culture. There is like, I don't know, the the way that you run it and there is the way that, I don't know, let's say, for example, Apple or with Steve Jobs used to run it. Steve Jobs was a very hard person to work for because he was always early, the earliest one and the latest to go. Yes. And people would see that and be like, oh, my God, I have to, like, show up and work as yeah. hard as my boss. Because what if he sees me coming in later and he's, he also sees me coming in, uh, getting out late uh, earlier. Yeah. So um, let's talk about how you are instilling that desire, all of that in your office, because I see it. So I, I know it's probably redundant, but I just truly believe in lead by example. I'll tell people on onboarding because I go and talk to all the new kids. I said, there's not a single person in here you'll see outgrind me. And there's something to me that's a little maso, uh, say this, whatever, right? Like where you love pain. I, I forget the word. My apologies. Masochism. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something that like that shows that college education part we were talking about. <laughs> but to have what I have in the bank and the assets and the company. And to know that I'm the hungriest human being in a room filled with 200 people in a developing country. That I'm the hungriest for education, that I'm the hungriest for fitness, that I'm the hungriest for revenue producing. Uh, it's something that I, I get a real kind of sick joy out of. Because it's like I can stand in front of these kids and honestly tell them, and I've told them multiple times, I should not be the hungriest fucking person in this room. There's no way. I, got, I don't have to work another day in my life and I'm the hungriest guy in here. And so for me, it's just, you know, that lead by, I, I just genuinely believe and lead by example and giving them that inspiration. The other day I ran to work, it was only 14 kilometers, but I ran into the office and one of the kids passed me on his bike and he had failed to go to the gym the night before. And he messaged me later. He said, dude, you just inspired me. It was like, and he said, because he had failed. He said, now I have to. Because when you see your boss who's 15 years older than you running 14K into the office, and then you that day were lazy, the bitch voice in his in his brain had caught up to him. Now that next day, he beat that bitch voice because it was a little bit of inspiration. It means a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can definitely inspire people with by leading by example and kind of like psychologically force them to also be there because they see themselves doing something as big as we're doing. But I feel like there's also different, um, I would say, exercises or different like daily things that you do, and especially in the onboarding, onboarding them, like yeah. bringing them in into the company that you would do it. Like, how do you do it, for example, in uh, when you had it in the U.S., which is an American culture? Uh, how do you do it then? A lot of it's the same. So one of the things that we're really, really big on is like everybody knows my two first, you know, my two favorite days of the month, because I have to hear it every single month is the first and last day of every month. Yeah. And so like they know that, hey, it's this time that we're going to submit our goals. We're going to talk about what's happening this month ahead. It's a fresh start. It's a clean slate. Last month doesn't happen. What have you done for yourself lately type mentality in the last day of the month? Because that's where you're really trying to 
get over the, the fence. But, you know, in our in our office, we have an all hands meeting every single morning. We're big on meetings and our meetings are what I would think are Tony Robbins esque, you know, in the morning. And you've been and seen some of them. We're screaming. We're saying I am statements We're you know, I am beautiful. I am strong. I am amazing. I am love. And we, we have all these rituals that we go through that really help to create that culture because never in almost 99.99% of everybody who ever watches this episode, no matter how many years it's on the internet, how many decades, will they have a company who does those types of things to start their day? Really, truly beautiful I am statements to get these people to believe in themselves and not treat them like just cogs in a big machine. Yeah. We did that here in the States. <clears throat> We brought that to South America. I brought that to South America. And it's even more unheard of down there. Yes. I mean, it's it's like, wow, this guy really cares about us because I do. And you create a habit from the patterns. That habit is now what creates the culture. And so we have this thing where they know we believe in them. And for the first time, we're, they believe in themselves. That concept you've read them in the book, you you did it in your past job or no. Uh so doing the I am's, I am a I am, no fun intended. Uh a really big proponent of manifestation and self-actualization. If you go to my personal house in my bathrooms and beers, you'll see stuff written everywhere. I have all my I am statements everywhere in my house. And it's something I go through a certain ritual. And so I just wanted to bring that to other people because I knew the power of self-programming. I started following self-programming way, way back in, you know, late 90s, early 2000s from following Zig Ziglar, who was my mentor only through books, but that man changed my life. And so I understood the power of books and then I started taking these lessons, applying it to myself. Once I saw what it did for myself, then I started applying it to groups. And then once I started doing it to the groups, you know, little teams within our company, then we made it company-wide. And what I've noticed is other people do it. Like I have affiliates who have watched it and now they're doing it in their offices. And so it's beautiful to watch like this butterfly effect of making sure you're starting your day with your team in the best possible way to enshrine the culture of caring. Yeah. You currently do uh, videos uh, both for the company and both for, you know, your affiliates or clients so that they can see how, what it looks like inside of the office, right? Yeah. So what do you show in for the company side, like Elamasu Pereira? Like what do you show in order to attract those top people that want to be there? So one of the unintended consequences of having this type of culture though that everybody will really appreciate is our number one referral source for new employees is current employees. And, uh, you know, it's ironically enough, I was forwarded a message last night. A young lady who used to work for us actually sent me a really long, like negative message. I was just like, oh, you should understand this about you. And it was just this impassioned uh, thing. And I forwarded it on to one of my partners. I said, I said, this is the reaction you have when you miss what you had. And so this person I haven't thought about in four months since they left randomly last night, because now we're in a new office and they just keep on seeing all these things and they're kind of bitter-ish but they let themselves down and therefore they let the company down because yep. I am also very, very big on extreme accountability. And I, I do believe in the slow to hire quick to fire. You know, I, I have a heart, I have a conscious, but once you've broken the company's trust, you, you got to go. Um, but yeah, we just, it's just word of mouth at this stage. I mean, we can show them the cool stuff, the ping pong tables and all that other stuff, but none of that matters, man. Yep. It, it's just, they have somebody that's in there that they know that we've changed their lives. So 
do you, do you feel like culture starts of you being leader or also culture starts on how you pick the people you hire? That's a really great question. Uh, I think it's probably 60, 40, and maybe a little bit more to the leadership side because you can inspire people who otherwise probably would have failed an interview to become them better selves. A lot of people have never been in a job where they had an opportunity or desire to be them better selves. So them on paper actually really suck. You would never hire them on paper based on their past experiences and their tenure at their job because it's easy to have short tenures at jobs because you had shitty leaders or managers or whoever. So I don't put too much weight into that. But in the interview process, you tend to get a vibe for somebody who, uh, who's got the, the little lion inside of them and you look for it. You know, you don't want to hire ducks. You want to hire eagles. Yeah, I like that. Um, so, for example, like how do you define your core values as a company and uh, how do you make those core values uh, present during the interview process, during the hiring process? Yeah. So for us, some of our core values out of the gates, you know, I have a thing, Colombia, and I say this with love, so I'm not trying to be controversial at all, but it's a very sexualized country. Oh, yeah. And so I think that it's probably more difficult being a young woman there than it is in, in the United States. And it's tough being a woman here because of TikTok and just there's so much pressure, social pressure on women. And so one of our core values is how we treat each other in the office and the mutual respect that we have. And I have a zero tolerance policy on anybody like saying anything slick or whatever to a female, et cetera, et cetera. And so the, the level of respect that you have to have for your brother or sister in arms in that office, we let it be known up front that if you have the opportunity to come on this company, to be part of this company, you're joining an elite group, almost like the SEALs. Like one of the things I love about the, the Navy SEALs is their high failure rate, the people that don't actually make it. And so we'll hire people, put them through our class, let them get a taste of the floor and then get rid of them because we're able to see through a vetting process. It's more importantly to vet them in the process than it is kind of pre, but we just will get a feel. Is this somebody we would want to go to war with? Yeah. And if so, we want them part of our group. But if they infringe or break that, they're given 100%. I say this in every new onboarding class. You're given 100% of my trust day one. You can lose it day one, hour one too. And then you're, then you're just done they get 100% out of the gates. Yeah, so when they go to class and this is like a very high intense, let's say um let's say it's just an accelerator for them, right? Like in yeah. the very first few days, like how does that work? So in the hiring process, you choose a potential person that could be there. Uh are those like a are those intended to be a training that is going to be half paid, full paid? Is it is it like their investment so they it has it is like a free and how long is it like? So one of the things I'm a fan of is being the anti-gringo in town. And so every gringo and even almost every call center, they pay less during the onboarding process or they do something that's a little shady or whatever. So, no, dude, if you're part of my team and you're in training, you should be paid the same amount as you'll be on the other side. So yep. I pay full on training. I want to because why wouldn't I? Matter of fact, if I'm trying to recruit you from your current job, why would I want to entice you with less money than you're making at yeah. your job? So I want you to come in. I want you to rock and roll. I, if if you're hired, it means that I think that you're going to make it. I know not everyone will, but I think that you're going to make it. And our incubation process, we have incubation, transition, and then floor. So it takes almost 90 days for them to hit general production. So you know, that's a long time to be pay, paid any type of discounted rate. 
So incubation, Tran uh -huh. incubation, then transition. The, so in, during incubation, is it like more like general general knowledge about real estate or general knowledge about like sales or, or what is it? Like? Yeah, it, it's the pure classroom. I mean, we're taking young men and women who really don't even know what the word yard sign means, yeah. right? You know, and or they don't know what pre foreclosure or pre probate and this because we're in the real estate vertical primarily with our campaigns now. And we're giving them all that fundamental knowledge. It's really just 101 in the beginning. And then as they go from incubation to transitions, that's where we're teaching them the sales acumen that I've collected over the past 20 some years and being in high ticket sales and pouring that back into them through our learning management system to be able to teach them how to truly architect their verbiage in a way that it'll drive the desired result from the recipient who's hearing their voice over the phone. And when you can train young men and women to use and I always tell them with great power comes great responsibility, but essentially you're teaching people how to create an outcome through conversation that they want in every instance. And, and at least that's the goal. And so that's what the second 30 days or so is just sales training on top of the real estate education. And then they hit my account first and if they can get out of my account, then they'll go to the, our general production. Of affiliates. So you're doing a big investment until they start actually hitting the phones. Yeah. It's a big investment it is. of time and uh, and yeah, of money up front because you're paying them essentially two months without them making new money. Yes, 100%. Okay, so you're essentially creating a school. I mean, that they have, that they get paid on. Yeah, <laughs> well, and they, I actually bought those little desks with the little uh, yeah, things yeah. that fold up almost like you used to see in middle school or whatever. And so we got a big classroom full of that. But yeah, it's important too, man, because, you know, each individual is a representation of my brand and that brand is a representation of myself. And so, you know, we want to, if I'm going to get out there and say, hey, highly qualified, highly motivated, that's not just the leads. That needs to be the humans. They have to be highly qualified and they have to be highly motivated. And so they feed each other and that's what we try to verify against. Yeah. What was the biggest difference that you saw on <clears throat> growing a culture here in the U.S. compared to growing culture there in uh, Colombia? You know, it's changed a lot as the buzz about us got out and the trust factor became higher. I think culturally speaking, one of the things that uh, it's a technical issue is that in Colombia, when you get sick, like if me and you, you grew up in uh, Canada or the United States? Uh, so 14, For high 14 years. Oh, uh, high school, uh, Canada, Toronto. Yeah. Okay. In Canada. I don't know if it's like this in the States, but if you wanted to get sick from school, you would just go to like one of these minute clinics and you would tell the doctor you were sick and you would get a note. And then and there's a lot of people that cheat that way for sure. I did it maybe two times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, well in Colombia, it's exactly like it was getting out of high school except with work. Oh shit. And okay. so how it works in Colombia and I don't know if it is in these other Latin American countries, but if all of a sudden you're like, I don't want to go to work today, you literally just go to the doctor and you, it's a long line, but you go to your doctor and you say, Oh, something's wrong. He'll give you a day minimum, two, three days, whatever it is, depends on how good your pitch is. And then the company that you work for is required to pay you 60% of your salary for those days off. And so what I discovered in the beginning was, okay, I'm paying 40% more than everybody else in town. So therefore, somebody could come in, fake sick, get their appropriate doctor's note, and then still get 100% of what they're used to being paid from somebody else, because I pay 40% more. In the beginning, that was really frustrating What, how I resolved that because you would have so many people that were constantly correctly sick is really just making that culture so good 
that a number one, they're addicted to that additional 40%. So they don't want to lose that. There's such a good commission structure in place that the days that they miss out would damage their commission in such a way that forget just the extra 40% that I'm gaining. What about all this other money? And then ultimately having a work environment where if you were at home and you remember, damn, I could be there and my buddies are here and oh, we were having that ping pong tournament again today. So it took me a while to really, A, understand why the culture was like that, but B, come up with the strategies to resolve it in which nobody wants to fake sick. Yeah. Dude, um, so you said that your, your best, uh, your most favorite days of the month is the first and the last, Yeah. right? So what happens during the first? What happens during the last? Personally I'm, or professionally, it's kind of the same thing. You know, I think the first of the month is a great opportunity to take a brief snapshot very quickly, brief snapshot and appreciate what you did the month before. Also reconcile what you failed on the month before. And so the first of the month for the team, what I love is there was winners and losers from the previous month. And we get to acknowledge those winners, literally acknowledge them once. There it is right there. But all those people who strove and came short, it's now a clean slate. And so what I've taught all of my employees is to look at their year like a book in a library. And so every year, and I'll pull out a book with exactly 365 pages. I ripped out enough pages to get it, and I hold it up almost every January 1st. We just talk about this reference that like, hey, listen, there's 12 chapters to this book of your life for 2023. And at the end of this year, you're going to put that book on the shelf. And at the end of your life, you're going to go back and start reflecting through those books that you have. And so where they appreciate that they are the authors of the chapter of which they have started, and they will be the author that concludes the last words on that chapter within that 12 chapter book. And so just get into appreciate that, hey, we have a milestone in our life because a lot of kids and humans in general, we just float through life. And when you're floating through life, you don't really set that milestone. And if you have no milestones, how do you gauge and compare as to where you were and where you want to go? So yeah, it's a, it's a big reflection point for me in my personal and professional life every month. It's huge. So there is a meeting at the beginning of the month. Also, does it reflect... Um, do you, do you, do you talk about what happens, what happened the last month and yeah. like where we're heading or like projections of that quarter? Or? <clears throat> we do that uh, from an executive level standpoint. We always do a all hands meeting with all the leaders. We do that once a month. We normally reconcile that meeting about seven days into the new month. So everybody can get their reports together. That's a dry meeting. It's one of my least favorite meetings of the month. I just, because it's dry, it's, it's KPI reporting, but it's a necessity as the CEO. Mm -hmm. What we do for the team is we really just close out what happened briefly and more so focus on what we have going on this upcoming month. In our business cycle, we bring on new affiliates at the beginning of every month. So we like to talk about each one of those. And one of the things I've started to do, and I, I really applaud you and your business, you've shown me a lot and how you treat your affiliates and nurture and provide value to them above and beyond what they're actually paying for, is we really try to get to know our affiliates personally down to the personal level. Because it's easy when you have so many affiliates, just be like, okay, that's ABC Realty. It's not really ABC Realty. It's John Jones, and he's just now left his corporate job, and now he's starting to do this on his own, and he's got two kids, man, and his anniversary is coming up, and his wife just quit her job, and it's like really getting to know the human aspect of our affiliates. So we try to bring that out because one of the things that changed my company's trajectory or helped my company's trajectory is teaching these kids, and this happened in my U.S.-based business, is that these guys are in commission sales. Mm -hmm. It becomes very, very easy to care about the commission and not the person. 
that you're supposed to be helping and helping them put it into perspective. If you help somebody get out of their house, you're going to get a commission two weeks later, right? You're going to spend it at the bar. You're going to go out, whatever. It's going to be gone. It's going to be gone within weeks of you helping that person out of that house. But what you did though, is you helped that person out of that house. And then that house was sold to an investor. And that investor hired a roofing company and that fed his family. And that investor hired a floor company and that fed his family. And somebody had to paint it and somebody had to do the yard and just really helping them appreciate. And even the seller of the house whose daughter was sick with terminal cancer. And it's like, if they only focus in on that commission and that commission result, they're missing the beauty of being able to help people and get paid handsomely for it. And once they understood exactly because it's crazy to think, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a 20-some-year-old person in a developing country in Colombia. I'm a cold caller. I'm one of the least respected professions outside of the sales industry, least respected professions in the world. But I'm changing people's lives. Yeah. When I dig in, I'm literally helping 40-some families feed themselves. Like It's crazy that one call, that one rebuttal that you gave literally changed people's lives. Yeah. So I feel that also that has to do a lot with the core values, but also the how you picture the mission and vision of the, co of the company um, and what do you want to do. Like, for example, our mission is to ultimately help. We want to help two, over 2,000 real estate investors change their business through digital marketing systems right. and help over 10,000 people in Latin America to have a career in the United States in the real estate space and help businesses by uh by getting a career ten thousand ten thousand of them and so whenever you picture that and you always say that all the time right and then you also say all the time the core values and let's say your core values is helping let's say i don't yeah. know where your core values are what are your core core values so our core values revolve around our sales process which is Candidly, it's educating the consumer so we just believe educate then help educate first then help educate mm -hmm. first then help we like to think of ourselves almost as uh, professors or teachers or whoever with the salesperson. So I think that if you just try to give somebody a result without educating, you're really taking. Yeah. We want to educate people, help them understand why what we have is the best of the best, why it's a good fit for them. And if it's not, let's not help because the consumer must make their own decision. So for us, it's it's really educate first and help. Okay. So is it, so it's one, that's one core value. Mm -hmm. How many do you got? three, four, five. That's primary our all sales driven when it comes to interacting with our sellers. For us, you know, our we have three non negotiables in our company. One of them was the mutual respect thing. Another one is about time management. I'm really big on that. And another one is just about uh, some social media stuff that we have for them. Okay. So for instance, uh, I've noticed that if you consistently are repeating uh, what a few of our core values and they and, and it's this fancy word prosthetize something like that Prosthe yeah i think yeah. it's like what preachers do or something yes right? exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whereas essentially they say it so much that now your company starts like really intaking it it, it goes in your within your blood right yes. so because you say it so much you repeat it so much um and prosthetize as well <laughs> yeah 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 so um so that you helping others uh, by by first educating them, something that you ultimately would do, right? Yes. Uh, so where I'm going is, um, do you do you currently have like let's say a a time during the first seven days of the first month of the of the of the new month where it'd be like, this is a guy that based on 
our core values, our mission of the company, achieve the highest amount of that intangible thing yes. or or that is do you do you like recognize those type of people that not, are not only hitting KPIs and numbers, but other ways like intangibles? <clears throat> yeah. And so as you were saying that I said, oh actually our number one thing is highly qualified, highly motivated. Like that's a that's that courses through everybody's blood. In regards to the recognition, you know, I've never nor will I ever terminate somebody with bad numbers, but with a great attitude or a great work ethic. Everything's resolvable. Sometimes it takes longer. Listen, there's different learning styles. Um, there's different, uh, people have different issues at their house and we would be not human if we under, didn't kind of put that into perspective with people. Yeah. But yeah, we applaud, you know, we're a KPIs driven company, right? So the bulk of everything that we do is gonna be numbers based. Like, hey, here's the guy who did this yesterday. He got five leads, he gets a wheel spin, all that stuff exists. But uh, like uh, the very last day of this month, I stayed until about 9.30 p.m. because there was one kid that was one lead away from hitting the highest commission pool that he's ever been in. And we're staying late and it's just me and him the whole night, the whole, everybody's already checked out. I let all my TLs go, I let all my other directors go because I as the CEO wasn't gonna let this kid not get his last lead. We had to stay there till midnight calling everybody in California. Ended up getting in about an hour and a half after everybody else has left. And he was so excited. And it really didn't matter to me that he hit 50 in range leads, right? This was a big commission pool for him. What mattered is this kid was so determined to get that last lead across the finish line. It could have been for the junior commission pool. And I would have been just as excited for him that he stuck around and was foregoing all these things in his life. Thankfully, it was for a high commission pool for him. But it was just exciting, man. So yeah, and so we talked about him and that type of work ethic. We want everybody to know that we're proud of. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Um, so that that you did like yesterday, not yesterday, two days the, ago, two days ago yep. which is the end of the month. Um, and at the end of the month, do you do you usually go through another type of meeting or what do you what do you do? Yeah, so I, I you know, I never was in play. I, I never, uh, you know, high school, I wasn't, you know, one of those actors or play class, whatever it was called, right? Drama, excuse Drama. me. Yeah. Maybe in middle school or something, right? But you know, one of the things that I know from sports and also watching drama is they don't announce really in quiet fashion who's going to be the head star. They put a piece of paper up there on the wall, and it's got everybody's names and like you know the role. Like Romeo is this person, Juliet is this person, whatever. But those are the winners and the losers. And some people don't get somebody assigned. And I believe that accountability, same thing with everybody tries out for the football team. Some people are going to make it. They put it on a paper. Here's the positions. Here's who made the team. People don't make the team. It's not mean, it doesn't mean they're not family, but I'm a big proponent in being upfront on all of our TV screens, all the monthly KPIs from the month before, as well as all of our daily KPIs, because there is a psychological benefit to not being on that list because it hurts. There's also a psychological benefit to being on the winner's list. And then the next month seeing you're not on there. And all of a sudden last month you were being showered in praise at the beginning of the month meeting or the end of the month wrap up meeting. And then this next month you're not. And you're like, oh, I don't want this feeling anymore. I like last month's feeling the most. And so one of the things that we don't do is we don't hide behind our performance numbers. We celebrate. We don't talk negative on the people. <clears throat> you don't have to call somebody a loser. You can just make the winners feel fucking great. Yeah. And then the other guys internalize that and say, I don't want this feeling again. I want Scott up there talking about me. 
I want to stand in front of this class, et cetera, et cetera. Business is like a sport, dude. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's the best. It is it's the, the best. best sport. People ask me what's my favorite football team. I'm like Lamasu. <laughs> like, Lamasu FC. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you should have yeah, a, know, an actual soccer team called Lamasu FC. Hey, them, them boys love to play soccer too, my staff. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Um, all right. So we actually had like a mini mastermind with uh Leila Hormozzi in Cole Gordon's mastermind. I told him about it. Yeah. He invited her, she came in, we had a chat, and like she covered just very small, but she's big operator i feel like you guys would go along together because she is basically the one that is holding the business operations of uh she used to hold gym launch now she's holding like the actual um acquisition.com operations she talked about these few things praise and reward yes. praise and reward and how if, if you don't have that right mm -hmm. now put it in your calendar and and every single day doesn't matter if it's there annoying in, in, in annoying you in the calendar because it's just there praise and reward because when you do that and you do it so effectively and consistently um that ultimately is something what that that people need recognition right and i did not used to do it before because okay so i started myself and i am uh i'm, I'm very shy on like telling words uh of let's say affirmation or like telling telling someone what i feel it's hard for me just by my you know my astrology says that it's i show love in a different way mm. so um something i did not do was that i was not recognizing my people in a positive way and like because it's so easy to see the negative dude and a lot of people really also struggle with this they see the negative more than the positive, yeah. right? And the positive happens every 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 day. There's yeah. always something happening positively every day. And you're not recognizing them. You're not also praising them. And you're also not rewarding them enough. Yeah, I struggle. I literally, sometimes it feels foreign to say the praise out of my mouth when it comes to my management and leadership team. And so that's something that as a CEO and an entrepreneur that I, I see it as an issue that I have so much work left to do on it because the front line, I love them. I love them tender. You know what I mean? But when they screw up, I don't go to them. I go to their team leads. I go to the director. I go to the sales floor manager and I am sharp with them. Primarily, I justify in my head because my time's limited. So I don't have time to be sugarcoated about this. You screwed up. Your team screwed up. You're the one who's accountable for it because the reality is, is as tight as I hold them, I hold myself for the team leads. So I'm hard on myself because I'm the one who's responsible when the team leads fail. And the team leads are failing when they're losing responsibility for their guys. So yeah, man, I, I, I empathize with 100% with your saying, and I've only mastered it at the frontline level of my company, and I still struggle to give it to the middle guys. You know, Amir, Amir, you yeah. still have to meet him, but he's the one that taught me because um, he's like, yo, you, you've grown so, you've grown so well, like you're doing so good. But at the same time, I, I feel like there's something missing there because he grew to, um, he grew his recurring company to maybe 15 people in just, in just one year. Mm -hmm. And everyone loves being there. They stay yeah, till late. Great. Everyone just loves him and everything, loves the company, what they do, they yeah. stay late. Um, and he is, dude, he's like, you would think that he would, uh, ultimately, uh, is, I don't know, he's trying to do it 
but because he wants to, I don't know, they say the same Colombia. I'm trying to translate it. Trying, trying to lick your like. <laughs> how do you say it? It's like ultimately just want to praise you just for kiss your ass, kiss your ass. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But he does it so genuinely. Yeah. So that people would feel appreciated yeah. at all times. Yeah. And he has uh, an entire meeting on just appreciating people. Wow. Uh, every single week, he has an entire meeting of going through the wind, going through the winds, uh, doing the praises, doing the appreciation to every single person. And because he's still small, he can do it to every single person. But he knows that um, the leaders will have to do the appreciation meeting to all his team members. And at some point, he will have to do the appreciation meeting to all his leaders as well. It's only one meeting. Could be 30 minutes to one hour. And I never did it. And I never had like a really exciting culture. Um, I needed a really exciting office. I ended up changing a few a few things in my morning yeah. meetings, dude. Great. Uh, just putting that. Praise. Uh, reward. I would reward always them. But um, more. Just, just, just better praise. Just better recognition. Yeah. And ultimately is not only having great team but the results are also better excellent the results are uh it's better it's, it's a higher return that it's intangible to to say to say the least because you don't see it right away it's not like oh i i put this praise and there is five dollars no <laughs> <laughs> it's not no. like that you know it so. helps with the retention though for sure yeah you know no one wants no matter what you're making there's a certain amount of time that if no matter what your pay is if you don't feel appreciated you're gonna go yeah, yeah. no matter what friendships it could be your own mom you know you're only going to put up with something if you don't feel valued or appreciate it you're going to exit whatever type of relationship it is so yeah that's great i love hearing that uh we're almost an hour dude but hey <laughs> uh this this can be done over and over again like so many so many things to talk about uh next week i think you have no this week tomorrow yep you have, uh, you have another one looking forward to see that other podcast with uh vic his Big Tipness, yeah. I'm Big very tipness. blessed to be invited on his podcast. Very excited to be able to share a story with a different audience. Um, he's also doing what you and myself are doing. We're investing in Colombia um, and really helping to change a lot of young men and women's lives and creating a culture of excellence, creating, creating a culture of accountability, um, and just making whatever impact we can while we're here on this earth, man. You know, nothing's promised, but it's it's moments like this where I get to sit here and speak with somebody like yourself, a, an entrepreneur that I respect and kind of take a moment and pause and reflect because, you know, you're doing good things. We're doing good things. It, it feels great, man. So I, I so appreciate good. the opportunity to come on here and share a little bit about the story. If people want, they can follow us at Lamasu Leads, L-A-M-A-S-S-U Leads. Be able to see a little bit more behind the scenes of the company and then at Scott Morse, um, if you wanted to see a little bit behind the scenes of my life. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to be here today. I definitely love to see more behind the scenes of your life. You should have someone just chasing you everywhere with the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I love my life down there. It's, it's a very blessed country. And so for anybody who's watching this, who's Colombian, it's like, ah, oh, what's this gringo doing down there? I'm super appreciative. I'm super thankful for what that culture has taught me so far. And I'm super thankful for my staff who I genuinely care about and love. Yeah, bro. Us Colombians love you, dude. Honestly. <laughs> Great. Uh, really proud of what you've done uh, over there, man. And uh, people that are people that want to work on Lamasun and haven't even considered, 
they're missing out and people that want to like travel and like get to know the, what Colombia is all about, they're missing out in Colombia. Yes. Big time. It's a super safe country. I think that uh, you guys got to, I was raised in the era where there were certain rumors and that was it. And uh, the reality is, is it's the most beautiful country that I've consistently spent any amount of time. And it's just, the people are beautiful. The weather is amazing. The culture, the food, it's, it's a really great place. And uh, I encourage anybody who's considered it, buy that plane ticket today. Let's yeah. just go. <laughs> Let's do it, bro. Well, thank you so much for coming, bro. Dude, as always, man, I appreciate it. All right. Thank you for everyone that's listening to this podcast. Again, give us a review, five stars. If you loved it, tell us why. Um, hit the subscribe button here in the YouTube channel as well. Give us a comment. Tell us exactly what you learned, like what you loved about it, and uh, share it with your circle, with your family, friends, uh, entrepreneur friends, or whoever wants to see it, listen to it. I think it was a great episode. Thank you for coming here again. And uh, all right. See ya.